0: Good evening, my name is Ben, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery for chewing tobacco and alcohol. Hello, would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for pursuing us. I pray that you'd be our courage, and I pray that you'd be our strength tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a verse from the Bible that I thought I knew and that I thought I understood well. Jesus said in the New Testament book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. For many years as a young man and even as an adult, I longed for that truth to be a reality in my life. Even listening to God's call on my life for full-time ministry, I only spoke about that life. I cannot tell you how many mornings I would spend praying and asking and hoping that that would be true of my life. Instead, the harsh reality was that the first part was more true than the latter. And that first part is the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. Being honest, though, the devil doesn't get all the credit. My own self-will, my own flesh, and my own pride was destroying my relationship with the Lord and with people. It was stealing the joy that I once knew when I had received Jesus and listened to God's call. You see, up until this last 17 months, I never experienced this life to the full, or rather, a life of freedom. Instead, I lived and experienced a life of fear. Fear of losing my faith, which is an impossibility yet i would tell myself that fear of being found out that i'm not as good as others think fear of those i love leaving fear of rejection fear of failing or making mistakes fear of others seeing my flaws or sins and then fear of shame and from a child until now i learned that life, that life of fear to perfection honing in my defects i was unwilling to surrender this fear to the lord Therefore, life to the full only seemed to be something that was experienced in eternity. It has been in this last 17 months that God has brought clarity in my life as to who I am in Him. I am loved, pursued, and I am valued. And in that pursuit, He has also brought clarity of how my defects begin and that they no longer have power over me unless I allow it. You see, over the last 45 years, in response to this fear... I learned to lie so that things would not change. I learned to bottle my emotions and desires and numb them with chewing tobacco, drinking, overeating, looking at inappropriate images, and overspending. I would offer up the good relationships in my life for the approval of those who did not value the Lord or my well-being or my family's well-being. I learned that having internal guilt was better than experiencing external shame. I learned to hide my weaknesses by stepping into leadership positions. I learned to blame others. I learned to isolate. I would hide and keep quiet about my convictions. And I would ignore the Spirit's Spirit's leadings, His promptings in my life. I chose to live that way. No one forced me. No one coaxed me into having fear. As a very young child... Fear gripped me every day. It was difficult every night, being alone with my own thoughts and wondering about that which I could not control. I would reach out to my mother and we would do our best to pray to Jesus, asking him to remove the fear. Strangely enough, as an adult, I realize now that this fear led me to the Lord. It caused me to cry out and surrender my life. With that being said, I grew up in a good family, a good home. My parents cared for us. They did their best. They took us to church many Sundays. I went through the difficulty, though, of my parents divorcing when I was in junior high. And of course, this greatly affected my life and the fear that would fight for the steering wheel of control. But let me be clear. I chose to continue living that way, even after experiencing the forgiveness of my sins. I, like many other boys, grew up with friends and cousins not far away. We had parents that would let us run around and do pretty much everything we wanted. And this led to my cousin and I finding inappropriate magazines. And it seemed to me that every male adult would have something hidden that had these images. And this, fuel, or this would only fuel the fear that I already had and cause me to constantly look over my shoulder. Moving a little bit forward, I realized there was something else in life that could bring satisfaction. It was sports and specifically baseball. Baseball is where I found myself worth Everything faded when practicing and playing. There was no fear except for failing. The attaboys and compliments helped me think more of myself. Yet even as a junior hire, I realized it was fleeting, those moments of success. They did not bring lasting fulfillment. They did not save me from the fear of nights or being alone. Let me also add something else, though. It was in this time that I learned another love of my life, and that was chewing. In the realm of baseball, it was something expected. Even as you watch funny shows like The Sandlot, you see kids trying it. It was then, as a 13 and 14 year old, that chewing would become a millstone for me. Even sharing that, you may think it's not such a big deal, chewing. Yet for myself, it caused me fear of being found out because it was something that I did in secret. It was something I knew I should not be doing, but I still did. Further now, still, as a junior in high school, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was, I was invited to a winter camp by a gal that I was dating, and that girl is my wife today. She asked if I would like to go to a winter camp, and of course, my response was, if you're, are you going to be there? And she said, yes. And I said, of course, I'd like to go. <laughs> That Saturday night in February at the church camp, the speaker spoke of Jesus' sacrifice and his miraculous resurrection. He spoke of how that brought hope, security, and new life. And the truth that I could have a secure future in Jesus spoke volumes to me. And I gave him my life that February night, 28 years ago. Yet my will still belonged to me. Don't get me wrong, for 25 years... I learned about God's love, his goodness. I experienced his grace and his leadership. There were successes and there were failures. My wife and I were married, and we have since been married for 23 years. We have two wonderful kids that are 18 and 15. God worked in my life and through us. Many times, though, it seemed he worked in spite of me, in spite of the hurts, in spite of the habits and the hang-ups, And that seems to be a constant thread in my life in spite of what really is going on. I don't know where each of you find yourself today, but as for me, I portrayed myself a certain way all my life. One who seemingly had things together, had some ability in different arenas of life, but inside I was hurting, broken, and longing for someone to know who I really am. As a senior in high school, I listened to God's call for my life to enter full-time ministry, and this was an exciting time. The Holy Spirit gave me, as he does every believer, the ability to understand God's word, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I learned about my spiritual gifts, gifts that every believer has. Up until 2019, ministry is all that I knew as a profession. Working in a church in ministry was amazing. I loved it. Even now, at times, I long for it. But let me share something more about this. Uh, But I want to be careful when I do. Let me say that the church made up of the body of believers is the bride of Christ. A group of saved people who by grace extend the gift of God's grace to others. It will always be so. It will always be a beacon of hope. From the beginning of time though, every good thing that God has created has been under attack by the evil one. I say that. Because working in the church only furthered my denial and my portrayal of having things all together. I longed to share with other people about the struggles and the hurts that I had. But my pride and my fear and what others would think kept me from doing so. This is not because of the church nor is it its fault. It is God's holy chosen people. It was my own self will and the lies of the evil one saying keep quiet. Keep quiet. Let me downshift now for a moment because there's more to the story, as I shared at the beginning of our time. There is another struggle that I have had in life. As an 18 year old, I told myself that alcohol would never be an option for me, especially since I felt God calling me into ministry. Somewhere in my early 20s, that conviction left. And what started as a casual thing, such as drinking with friends at certain social events, turned into more. I would drink more and more at these get togethers. I would make more and more excuses to have get togethers. Drinking became commonplace. I always thought to myself that since I always held my composure and never missed work nor missed time with the Lord, it was no big deal, but it was. My wife and friends noticed how alcohol would be at our events. And so I stopped. Not because I thought I had a problem but because I was tired of the look on other people's faces and what they had to say. Just saying that, how ridiculous and arrogant it is to think that. Looking back now, I can see all the ups and downs that God allowed me to go through, and it just makes me think of how much easier it would have been if I had lived a life of confession and transparency. Again, when living in fear, those things never seem to take place. For 10 years, I never drank. Yet I would run to other things for solace. Chewing tobacco was always there. No one knew. Yes, every now and then my wife would find a can or something. But I would run occasionally to inappropriate images hoping that this would produce the same fulfillment that drinking would produce. But it never did. It only brought more guilt and more shame. And the words would scream on my head. How can you lead someone to a personal relationship with Jesus when you struggle so mightily with your own? The lies of the evil one flooded my mind and my guilt caused me to look to other avenues of fulfillment, eating, exercise, spending money, gambling, looking for something that only God could produce, and that's freedom. Over those 10 years of not drinking, there were long moments of pursuing God with everything I had. Perhaps once or twice a year, I would look to one of those habits for comfort. But the two constants which I really longed for were chewing and then wishing that I could drink. I would have resentments towards others because I thought if they would not care or would not think too deeply about me drinking, I could drink as a gentleman, as the, book, bu- big, the big book says. Let me move forward now to how God's grace and leadership led me to this place. During those 10 years, as I said, God used me to work as a, in a church as a pastor and we saw growth, lives change for eternity's sake. It was exciting. But in 2018, I decided to step down from the church, thinking that it was the right thing to do, not because of my defects, of course, but because of the defects of others. So we sought the Lord and felt it was the right thing. And despite my pride and arrogance, God led us to that decision. December of 2018, we stepped down or I stepped down. But in reality, God knew those things that needed change in my life could not take place in the situation that was in. I needed brokenness, and a change of pace would allow that. As we sing often here in CR, he took what the enemy meant for evil and used it for good. I would add, he takes what I meant for selfish gain and uses it for his good and his glory. For six months after stepping down, life was new. It was the first time in our marriage and in my adult life I had not been in ministry. And during that time, I told AIM that I would like to try drinking again. After five months, it was clear that I cannot take a drink without craving more. This is known as the phenomenon of craving, as the, book, book, the big book says. I wish I could tell you that because I knew that, I stopped, but I didn't. I did not want to admit that I had a problem, and it wasn't just drinking that I struggled with. I struggled with honesty. I struggled to share with those I love that my life seemed it was falling apart. It didn't seem like it was falling apart. It was falling apart. I tried deeply to hear from the Lord to find out what is next. He remained silent. Actually, let me say, he wasn't silent, but I was deaf to the Spirit's leading. On July 5th, 2019, I sat in my truck before coming in the house and prayed, Lord, help me to lead my family well. It was one of those prayers that you pray when you know your life is at a crossroads, hoping that he would intervene. And I walked into the house and told my wife we should go to dinner, only saying that because I thought it'd be nice to have a drink. She then asked about a charge in our checking account, a small charge. And at first I tried to lie about it, but she saw right through it as she always does. And it was then in those next 24 hours, the trajectory of our life changed. I shared with her and a close friend how I struggle with alcohol, with chewing, that I had accrued some debt, I shared all the things that I sought for comfort in the absence of alcohol. This was not the first time this had happened in our marriage, but it was the first time that I realized that if things did not change, drastic measures would occur. The big book says the following about some who have shared their story. We didn't wait to hit bottom because, thank God, we could see the bottom. The bottom came up and hit us, and that sold us on Alcoholics Anonymous. I could see the bottom. I could feel it. I had no idea what to do, where to go. I had stepped down from ministry, which for many years was the one thing that seemed to keep me from feeling like a failure. I had been dishonest with my wife, which was not just a marriage relationship, but the best friend of my life. My kids, 15 and 18, saw their parents for the first time at odds, experiencing uncertainty. It was a point in my life I never wanted to reach. Of course, looking back almost two years now, I can see God's hand in all of it. I can see how God answered that prayer of leading my family. But for God to answer that prayer of leading them, he had to bring me low enough to feel the bottom, to see it. And again, it was terrifying. Four days later, I walked into this place right here. As Pastor Scott says, Not on a winning streak. I was terrified of what would take place in my marriage and family. I was terrified that people would see me and say, hey, wasn't that guy a pastor? Shouldn't he have things all together? Again, those are lies from the pit of hell. I experienced the hope in large group as we worshiped together. I went to the first timers meeting with Josh and his wife. And it was in that first meeting that I was honest about my life for the first time that I shared with the others around our table that I was a liar. The next week I went to open share group for the first time and it was there that I heard men talking about their hurts, their habits and their hang-ups. And as they did, their stories mirrored my own. It appeared as if I were talking but in someone else's voice. I would listen and think of the decisions that I had made in my life. How my actions have hurt my wife and my family. And driving home one Tuesday night from CR. God helped me understand how serious things really are and that I must surrender not just my life, but my will. And it was a brokenness that I've only read about. I can remember that brokenness with my wife on our couch that night. A month later, I began a step study. God also placed a great man in my life as a sponsor, an incredible guy. I shared with him everything I've ever done in my life. Something I never would have thought I could do. What a freeing and terrifying thing it was. He encouraged me to write a thousand memories. As far back as I can remember everything. But through sharing those memories I began to see why my life is the way it is. How each interaction and decision that was made led me to this point in life. My step study group was full of amazing men who were willing to be honest about their life. We struggled through the step studies together as Jeff and Josh led us, even finishing up through Zoom because that's when COVID began to really take place. God gave me the courage to stare my defects straight in the face and even ask him to remove them or use or replace them. I was able to go to those whom I have wronged, and I am now trying to experience the blessing of giving back by sharing this testimony and also helping to facilitate open share groups. Meanwhile, my wife and I went to counseling. We began looking at our lives and how God had designed us. I was able to pay off the little debt accrued. There has been no alcohol or chewing tobacco in the last 17 months. Wow. I'm now able to share with my sponsor when I'm struggling. I can see when my self-pity is welling up, and I begin to identify it and do my best to surrender it to the Lord instead of looking for ways to console it. I had said at the beginning, I only spoke of life to the full. Beginning July 5th, 2019, I have and am experiencing it. I'm here today to say that by God's grace, his continuing grace, because of Celebrate Recovery, because of my sponsor, my step study partners, my wife and kids, I'm experiencing that life to the full that I longed for. Psalm 72, 18 says, may the Lord God, who alone does wonders, be praised. God led me to step down from full-time ministry, not because the ministry was unhealthy, but because I was. The fullness experience was not fun. As I just said, I could feel the bottom, even though I was found out there is freedom and no longer keeping things secret. God has brought my marriage to a place it has never been. My kids care for me and they love me. I have a great job, but it does not always go the way you think it will. I'm not working in full-time ministry. I would have thought fullness in Christ would have meant that. God needed to remove that from my life. I don't know if that's ever a possibility down the road. It doesn't even bother me at this point because God has me on this journey. I'm no longer fearful of being found out. Life's not easy. It is still difficult, very difficult. Every morning I have to spend time journaling, surrendering to him my fears, the things that I cannot control. I have to read the Psalms on a daily basis. I have to continue coming to both the large group here at CR and the open share group and listening. As Pastor Scott said many times, I gave God my life. Long ago, but not my will. Each day I try to hand that over. I realize that this may not be the same journey that all of you are on. I may not have had the great highs that some of you have or even the great lows. You may be here for the first time beginning a time of brokenness. You may be in the middle of trying to see God's will unfolding in your life, unable to see the past or yet the future. Or you may be multiple years sober now experiencing his fullness. It makes no difference of how you got to this place tonight. All that matters is that he directs the next steps. We can experience this life to the full that Jesus offers. CR gives us the ability to experience that. So before I go, I'd like to, of course, thank Jesus for his consistent love and leading in my life. That's affordable to every one of us if we would just surrender our will to his. I'd like to thank my wife for seeing things through. There's no one else I'd rather walk through life with. For my kids, for never judging but accepting their dad for who he is. For my sponsor, for not shaming me, but just listening to my life while directing and leading me. Thanks, Mitch. To my friend Josh, who directed me to this place of CR. For both Pastor Scott's, thank you for your leadership in this ministry. And thanks to all of you guys as I walked in here to experience comfort and care. God is a God of wonders. He is a miracle worker. He alone is worthy to be praised. Fullness in Christ is possible. Thanks for letting me share.
1: Well done. Well done. Um, I do have to point out one other thing. is You lied. You said it was 30 minutes long, and you went short on me. I love it. Well done. I Well done. I'm proud of you. That was awesome. That was awesome. Hey, let's hear it for Ben one more time. It's stories like that when people come in broken and... Uh, Their lives change. That's why we keep coming back. That's why we keep doing this ministry. So if Ben's story touched your heart, impacted you in any way, I encourage you, next time you see him, make sure that you let him know and thank him for his recovery and for his share that he shared tonight. So um, let's close our time with a serenity prayer, and then we'll start heading off to group. So let's stand and do this together. God. God. if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next. Amen.